Good morning, brothers and sisters. This morning we are starting a new series entitled, Joseph Makes Me Think of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the life of Joseph over the next couple weeks here at Brantford Bible Chapel and reading the stories of Joseph, how they make us think of the Lord Jesus. Yes, biblically there are certain types, but we might even have different passages that just make us think about who Jesus is, looking at Joseph's life. Stephen Alice Herzig was here last week, and if you remember this story, I always remember uh, there was a few years ago at Branford Bible Chapel where I gave Alice a hug, and then I kind of kept hugging her and the reason was is her perfume that she was wearing was actually Betsy McCauley's perfume and it it just brought back so many memories of Herb and Betsy for me and I wasn't I wasn't ready to have those memories and so I was hugging her kind of going how do I know this smell and I remember Alice um, telling me I know, it's her perfume. And it was it was just so interesting as Alice made me think of Betsy McCulley. The life of Joseph can make us think of the Lord Jesus. Well, let's look at him right in the beginning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to read, we're going to read about Joseph. It says here in Genesis 37, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Balah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers, so they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. How is Joseph's upbringing? How is he planted into this world? What kind of family structure? I want to remind us that these Old Testament stories that some of us have heard, really is easy to not consider exactly what his family life was like. Some would say that Joseph was kind of a root out of dry ground. A root out of dry ground. His family environment should have been one that would help him be successful in life. And yet, it really was the opposite. It really was the opposite. Joseph's family was not going to give him the environment or the nourishment he needed, as everyone is entitled to. God has designed the family to be a place where you can grow and be raised 
in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to be loved, to be protected, all those things. That was not the family Joseph was born into. It just wasn't. I want you to think of the life of Joseph, because sometimes we look at the end of his life and say, he was successful. He ended up in Egypt. And I want you to think about that when it comes to any of our family backgrounds. Is it possible that you can be born into a family that is not ideal and yet still have success? Of course it is. Joseph is proof of that. When we look at Joseph, I want you to think about normal family dialogue around the table. Joseph could be sitting there saying, Hey, Dad, how did you and Mom meet? That's an interesting story, son. Well, your grandfather tricked me into marrying my other wife, the mother of your other brothers. And then I had to work another seven years for your mom. Oh, Dad, that seems a little messed up. Grandpa did that? Yeah. And then there was this whole bickering between your mom and your brother's mom of who's having kids. And in fact, I had more children with their maidservants. It was kind of a mess. Oh, Dad, that, that side of the family seems to be a little twisted, a little messed up. What what was your mom and dad like? Well, remember Uncle Esau? He wanted to kill me. I stole his birthright. Your mom helped me do that. She liked me more than him. Um, you know, just normal stuff like that. Favoritism, as we know of Joseph... Um, he was well-loved more than his brothers. That was passed down. Jacob had some of that in his own upbringing. His mom liked him more than his brothers. There is family patterns that are horrible that can be passed down generation to generation that really hurt the next generation. And this family was no different. With such turmoil, how could Joseph not rebel? With such turmoil in his upbringing, don't you think, we at least would think he's got to be bitter towards his family. We would think, oh, there's no way Joseph can have a normal family someday. How would he know what that even looks like? His brothers tried to kill him. There was personal favoritism. There was all this twisted stuff with the grandparents. That would be the normal thought process. And sadly, that's how people think today. We don't put the expectations too high on someone who is born in a family that's broken and dysfunctional. We kind of think, well, you really can't blame them because of the family they were born into. Well, I'm not saying it's not tough. I'm just saying that when you look at Joseph, he followed his God and because of that, had a successful family of his own, it would seem, in Genesis chapter 50 with his two sons. 
He restored relationships somewhat with his brothers. It's possible. It says this there in the book of Genesis. It says his brothers hated him. How bad did they hate him? To the point where they tried to kill him. Now, when I was growing up, me and my brother might have had some fights, but I don't really think we ever hated each other. And I know we didn't really try to get to the point of killing each other. It also says they could not speak peaceably to him. Imagine every conversation you cannot just get along. There's always strife. There's always anger. There's always someone possibly yelling. There's always uh, an awkward pause in the conversation because it is impossible to speak peaceably to each other. Most of us have a family member like this. They're always around in the holidays. You could be having the best Thanksgiving, the best Christmas. Everyone's over having a big meal. There's always one family member, an aunt, uncle, cousin, who just cannot speak peaceably to anyone. They always say something awkward. They're always trying to kind of like pick a fight. Uh, I just want you to think about that environment. Have you ever been in a family function where you see a family member coming maybe, you know, into the room and you just want to get out of there because you realize this conversation will not be good no matter what. That's what Joseph grew up in every day with his brothers. They could not speak peaceably to him. They mocked him, the Bible says. That's what we call bullying today. Bullying is an awful thing. Just to be completely made fun of, to be completely mocked, to be completely um, brought down low. And again, it causes a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Um, it can really mess up someone. But again, do we have anyone in the Bible that overcame these things? Sure, Joseph did. Joseph was mocked by his brothers. Sold into slavery, all these things. And yet... God, through his plan, established Joseph later on in his life. How do these things make us think of Jesus? In Isaiah 53, in verse 2, it is talking about the Lord Jesus. Isaiah 53, in verse 2. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. The Lord Jesus was supposed to come into the nation of Israel and be well accepted as the Messiah. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Do you think of Joseph being born into a family that should have accepted him, should have loved him? Didn't happen. The Lord Jesus was the true root 
out of dry ground? How can anything grow or produce anything? What plant can produce well if it's in dry ground? You know how this is when you're trying to maybe make your lawn look better. If you're throwing grass seeds, sometimes the dirt is so hard, it's almost like clay for lack of water. And it is really hard to try to grow that grass. That's why they say the secret is to constantly water your lawn. The Lord Jesus was a root out of dry ground. The spiritual condition of Israel was not ready for him to come and to enjoy their Messiah, their Savior. The Lord Jesus was rejected by the world. He was also rejected by the religious leaders. He was rejected by his own family. And he was rejected by his disciples. They all forsook him in his hour of most need. Many times people could not speak peaceably with the Lord. And did they hate him? Well, they killed him. Did they mock him? I want you to remember the cross where they were making fun of him. And again, it's a good reminder this day to just sit there and think of what it was like, the scene of a man beaten so badly he was unrecognizable. Blood and, and, and ripped up flesh. And as he's dying, you have people that not only got what they wanted, because now he's dying, but they want to mock him in his few last hours of life. And that is just some deep hatred. That is mocking and, and bullying on a whole nother level. What should we think about when we see the Lord, Jesus, even through all this, when we see Joseph? Well, I want to encourage us with this. The Lord Jesus was rejected, yes, and killed, but he was given the name above all other names. His father exalted him higher than any other man has ever been exalted. Joseph was exalted to second in command in Egypt. Is it possible that you can be in a family or in a background that is not the best and still have success? Obviously, yes, if you give your life to the Lord and trust in Him. And I want to say this as well. Joseph's family never really changed. The goal for Joseph was not to fix his family. It was to serve his God. And in that, God blessed him with his own family. And that's the same for us nowadays. So many of us are wanting circumstances to change instead of just following the Lord and seeing how the Lord will bring change into our lives. There's a song an old song, and it went something like this, we keep waiting, waiting for the world to change. 
is there some of us out there that we just we're just waiting for circumstances to change we're just waiting for things to get better we're just waiting for our family members to suddenly start loving us more or to stop mocking us or to speak peaceably to us the lord never promises those things you read on later on joseph's brothers never really got it i wouldn't say they were ever really close The Lord Jesus still deals, still deals with a stiff-necked people. His church, whom he loves, still is weak, doesn't follow his commands, rebellious. He will fix it all one day in heaven. But that's our goal, to pursue the Lord. And that He, the true root out of dry ground, can grow and flourish. And He made Joseph grow. He can make you grow and flourish as well, regardless of circumstances, if we trust Him. As we read there in Genesis, there was also a verse that said, Joseph was feeding the flock with his brothers. Joseph started out as a shepherd. That was his responsibilities as a 17-year-old. And I want to encourage us again. It's good to have responsibilities. It's good to give our kids responsibilities. We used to fool around and call it a chore list. Okay? Make sure they do their work at school. All those things are very important. Checks and balances. You're responsible for this. Did you do the job correctly? Joseph had a job. He was a shepherd. He was feeding the flock with his brothers. I'm sure he had different things he had to do. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. The Lord Jesus is the chief shepherd. The great shepherd, as we've heard so many times. And I want to just remind us quickly again of how Jesus is like a shepherd to us. Number one, he protects the sheep. In John 10, 28, it says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. A shepherd protects his sheep. Protects. We have heard these things, these uh, terms before as shepherds. Uh, the elders in our assembly um, sometimes the husband in the family is known as the shepherd. The shepherd protects. There's a forethought in the mind. Am I making sure that the sheep that I am over are protected? There's not outside wolves coming into the pen that will destroy them. That's our reality that there are wolves that there is false teaching that there is ungodly worldly systems that we need to be protected from that sometimes we don't even know so as parents that's what we do for our children as sheep in the local assembly that's why there should be a trust there with the eldership that they might protect us sometimes from false teaching from things that would harm us we should listen to them they have the heart of a shepherd. 
Another thing a shepherd does is he guides. In Psalms 23, it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The Lord Jesus wants to guide you. He wants you to follow him. He does not want you to do this on your own. Third aspect of a shepherd, he nurtures. In Isaiah 40, 11, it says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. He nurtures. The last thing a good shepherd does is he lays down his life. Remember that verse in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I want to think about the Lord being the shepherd in these four aspects we just went over. And I want to ask the question, well, how far does it go? In other words, how far does he protect? How far does he guide? How far does he nurture? How far does the Lord Jesus protect? To the point of death. To the point of death. He says, remember, the hireling is not going to lay down their life for the sheep. Because he doesn't care. But a shepherd knows his sheep intimately. He looks after them day in, day out. He knows which way they should go. All those beautiful things of a shepherd. And he is willing to lay down his life to protect them. We need to be encouraged again that if the Lord is disciplining us or he's trying to protect us, it is for our good. And he has nothing but good intention for us. He is trying to protect us so that we might have life and have it abundantly. It is all for our good, all for our favor, his protection. How far does he guide? He will continue to guide until we are in heaven. And how do we know, Psalm 23, how do you know that the Lord won't get tired of guiding us or leading us or just say, you know, I've been down this road with you so many times. Because he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is part of his character. It is part of his testimony. He is constantly going to guide us until the day we die and we're with him. Constantly saying, this is the path of righteousness. This is the road you should be on. This is the correct way to do life. How far does he nurture? How long will he nurture? Do you remember in Ephesians 5? It says that he nourishes and cherishes the church. As long as there is a church, he will nurture it. He will cherish it. He will never stop nurturing never stop nurturing us he is the good shepherd 
Finally, this morning, we've heard about this famous coat of Joseph, a coat of many colors. And what does it mean? There's different scholars out there that will say different things. But here's what we do know. The coat was expensive. And the coat stood out. Not many people had clothes like that. Joseph got to walk around and every time, everywhere he walked, people looked at this coat and was like, why is this person so special that they are dressed in such a robe of so many colors? Why are they worth all the expense, all the time and effort it takes to make something like that? This person must be important. And it's because of this that his brothers envied him. It's because of this, this personal favoritism that was wrong. Jacob showed personal favoritism to Joseph and it really hurt the family. And it was an outward uh, sign of that. Every single day when he wore this coat, the brothers knew dad loves him more. That coat that we know was dipped in blood so that his father would think he had died to be stained. It does remind me of the Lord Jesus. How is God clothed? <laughs> Let me read you a few verses. In Psalms 93, 1, it says, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. In Psalms 104, 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. When Jesus walked on earth, he was different from everyone else. Everyone that literally walked in, had a conversation, I think they knew something was different about this man. They might not have known exactly what was different, but you hear words like, no one spoke like this man. Truly, this man was the son of God, as you hear the, the Roman centurion near the cross. God is clothed with majesty, clothed with strength, clothed with splendor. Joseph's coat of many colors could just make us see how glorious our God is. He is more valuable than anything in the universe. He is glorious. I love the fact that it says he has covered himself with light as a cloak. The Lord Jesus, as we heard even in Revelation, there's no need for sun and move. He is the light. There should be part of the Christian 
who just looks at the Lord and just admires his beauty, just thinks, my goodness, my Lord is so majestic and full of splendor. But I want to challenge you with this. In the book of John, it says this, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This perfect one, Jesus Christ, who is clothed in splendor and majesty, they hated him for it, and they nailed him to a cross. Now, it's not the same in Joseph's life because there's some personal favoritism and some things wrong there, but his brothers hated him for that cloak of many colors. Hated him for it. So when we put on the holiness of God, when we try to adorn ourselves with all of God's principles and, and His ways, when we shine our light into this dark world, what is our expectation? Do we really expect for the world to love the light that is shining off of us? That would be against what John says. They loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. As we mentioned this morning, today, even with Joseph's family in that song, we keep waiting for the world to change. I want to encourage us that we sometimes get frustrated as Christians, that the world gets darker and darker, and that somehow they're just going to see the light. Somehow they're going to say, wait a minute, what we're doing is wrong. It's not what the Bible says. Because their works were evil, they will hate the light. When we clothe ourselves and shine the light of Christ, we will be hated for it. We won't be well accepted. Just like Joseph was thrown in that pit. But, the Lord Jesus, that great light, that sometimes makes us uh, have people in the world reject us or that they hate us. That great light will be our light forever in eternity, as we talked about uh, with Scott Dunkerton. It's a glorious light. We're going to find out as we go through the life of Joseph that obviously his life was not easy. But you know, there's not one recorded mistake in the Bible about Joseph. Now, obviously, he was a sinner, he made mistakes, but there's nothing really recorded. Not that I've read, at least. We have other great Bible characters who have a lot of mistakes recorded for us. Sins. Times where they messed up. Not so with Joseph. The Lord saw fit to not record any of his misdoings. I want to encourage us, regardless... Regardless of your family, regardless if you have um, people hating you for no reason, all those things happen to Joseph, all those things happen to the Lord, and yet they could still have successful lives. Joseph could still be successful. The Lord Jesus 
has saved millions of people. It is worth pursuing the Lord. Have a good day, brothers and sisters. Lord bless.